the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. We spend our focus on making the client side automation look super nice. And so, you know, Mark's gone in and HTML coded uh, the same banners and information from our newsletter. So that way there's that consistency with the brand throughout everything that they get from us, from the invoices to the, you know, automatic emails to following up about hiring to getting our newsletter every month. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. I'm Tyson Mutrix. We're really excited, Tyson. We have the Max Law Con coming up. As everybody knows, we've been talking about it on the air for a while. We got a great lineup and we are at about 40 spaces left. And I'm pretty sure that just like last year, we're going to fill out the space. So that's one thing we're excited about. The other thing is you and I and Kent sat down with our good buddy, Joey Vitale. And I think we have something cool coming for our members in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, pretty exciting. I think I don't want to give any information, but I think what it is is going to be a pretty awesome. It's going to be to a limited number of people. It's not going to be something that's huge, but I, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for whatever we get to get to announce. It. All right. Well, we want to get straight to our guest. We know he's a busy fellow, and we're glad that he's on the show. His name's Jordan Ostroff. He has a firm down in Florida called Jordan Law. He practices criminal defense and family law, and he also has a little expertise with something that I want to talk to him about, which are student conduct hearings. But Jordan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, Jordan. So I talk a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are now, but I'm also curious why you named your firm after your first name. Because I've considered the same thing in the past because my first name is Tyson, and sometimes people call me Mr. Tyson because whenever they look at the website, they see Tyson Mutrix, and for some reason, they think that that's the firm name. So I'm just curious how you got to the name of your firm, but also your journey in general. Sure. So um, I guess the journey kind of answers the question about the name. Um, I, I came up to Orlando to go to UCF, and I ended up on the uh, trial team over there and realized that that was exactly what I wanted to do. So I stayed in town to go to Barry University, interned at the state attorney office here, and then got a job starting out there for a little over three years before I opened up my firm. Um, And during that time, you know, I got to meet the hundreds of criminal defense attorneys in town that would have cases with us and talk to them about all the different things and issues that they had. And there's a couple other guys in town that have really difficult to pronounce last names. And so none of them had, none of them had used their name. Everybody had used a trademark name or something along those lines. And so I was kind of talking with them about that and some of the issues. And obviously, you know, Ostroff, 
is what it sounds like, but you're not necessarily going to spell it that way just hearing it. So we wanted to go with the Jordan Law stuff, and then we talked about, you know, my wife and I talked about what we can do from there. Um, and the biggest thing for us was, you know, our logo is basically the, the NFL NBA logo. You got the red, white, and blue. So then you've got that whole Michael Jordan, the uh, greatest of all time thing going. So that's why we went with the first name. That's awesome. Tell us about how your firm is set up and how you spend your time day to day, Jordan. Sure. So the firm, uh, we've got five attorneys right now. Myself and my wife are the two managing partners, and we've got three other attorneys at the firm. And then we've got four staff members. So for me, I mean, basically right now at this point, I'm more of CEO and the head marketing networker of the firm. So we've got the other attorneys do you know, most of the work. And then obviously if it's something big or there's a trial going on or a big motion or something like that, then myself and my wife will go with them to second chair or lead it. But from our standpoint, I mean, most of what we're doing is setting up all the systems, checking with our referral sources, trying to build new referral streams, overseeing all the work, making sure everybody else is doing their stuff, training the staff and those kind of things. So I tell everybody I'm really like 90% of small business owner and only about 10% of lawyer these days. So you say you do mostly business law stuff these days. So I'm, I'm curious how a business law attorney normally gets their clients. Is it is it more referral based, or can you get clients through the internet? And if you can, how do you do it? Because I don't see myself personally. If I needed a business lawyer hiring someone through the internet, I would do it through a, some sort of referral. So can you talk a little bit about you know how you get your clients and, and what works best for you? Sure. So in uh, December of, of last year, we brought on an in-house marketing person, Mark Miller, who's been involved on the uh, page as well as I have. And so we've been growing the SEO stuff from there, you know, slowly. But for the most part, I mean, our firm, we're not doing advertising. We're not doing mailers anymore. We're not doing any of those paid for leads. Um, it's all the one-on-one. So for us, from the business clients, a lot of them are going to be, you know, people we came across with the criminal defense stuff. So, you know, you get some DUIs from some big business clients. They like how we handled the the criminal case, and then we're involved in some of the local chambers of commerce um, and some of the other organizations that do small business development here. So we always try to go and, you know, speak and provide, you know, an hour-long seminar on some of the upcoming legal issues businesses face and some of the things we're seeing and, you know, the tips on employment contracts and non-disclosures and all those to try to, you know, set ourselves up as the go-to experts in the field. And so it's exactly like what you talked about. You know, it's not a situation where we're getting a lot of people just going on Google and typing in, you know, best business lawyer in Orlando. It's it's more the one-on-one contact that we've built with people over the, you know, last several months, several years. Jordan, talk to us about practicing with your wife. Do you have different roles in the firm? Definitely. Yeah, it took, uh, you know, everybody asked me if that's a positive or a negative. And so thankfully, you know, being in Orlando, we've got Bill Umansky and his wife Zara here. So I was able to talk to Bill a couple times and get kind of the feel for what's worked for them. And I mean, and the biggest thing for them and the biggest thing for us really is not stepping on each other's toes. So my wife does a lot more of the um, the invoicing, the accounting, all that stuff with the business. And then she does a lot more of the training and oversight with the attorneys. And then I do more of the training and oversight with the staff. And then all of our systems, our intake team, our Zapier integrations and all those things. So it took us about three to six months to figure that out, as opposed to having, you know, both of us doing the same thing. And then, you know, you never get away from the work because when you're living together, that's all that you can talk about. And so now that we kind of have our own separate roles, it's really wonderful because, you know, we'll have a day here and a day there where we've got nothing on the calendar and our kid just turned one. So we can go over to, you know, SeaWorld or Aquatica on a Wednesday after all the work that we've done over the weekend. That's awesome. Jordan, describe Bill Umansky in one word. Ooh, that's a tough one. Honest. I think that's the one I'd have to go with. That's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, I've got a real question for you. So, but I just, I was curious. That's actually a perfect description of Bill Umansky, uh, honest. But 
so where do you see this thing going? I mean, where are you, where are you and your wife built to, to get to? Are you in five to 10 years? What is, are you going to try to sell it? Are you going to stay in the business? Just where, where are you headed with this? So what we've talked about, um, so I, I just turned 30 last year. And so we talked about, you know, the next 10 years is really what we've planned out to, you know, by the time that I turn 40, where the business is going to be at. And so my hope is to get us in a position where um, I don't have to be involved. I mean, obviously, I, I can't see myself not being involved, but in being in a position where I don't have to be involved to free us up to do more, you know, travel and other things. Um, so all of our decisions made from the business standpoint are, are trying to put us in a position where there's a, a model in place that isn't so reliant upon the two of us. And so hence, you know, bringing in the marketing person, um, bringing on more attorneys, system, systematizing a lot more of the referrals and the intake, the system, and all those things that we can do to not make ourselves essential to the firm, but obviously make ourselves able to, you know, fill in all the cracks and make sure everything's better and keep refining everything as opposed to being focused on, you know, the smaller minutia day to day. Right now, what is your biggest frustration or headache, Jordan? Well, right now, my biggest frustration is I was supposed to have our uh, internet installed in our new office an hour ago, and then apparently Spectrum's internet online system just doesn't work, and they never got the order. But from a, uh, from a more longer-term standpoint, I mean, I think our biggest frustration is always going to be making sure that everybody else is always doing the same, you know, top-level five-star service that we have in place. And so it's a constant balancing test of having, you know, enough clients so that everybody makes the amount of money they want, but few enough clients so that you can constantly put the right amount of personal touch and effort and time on every case. And that's something that, you know, we're just always, always balancing and rebalancing to see, you know, depending upon if somebody's got, you know, all business clients, half business and half criminal clients, half criminal and half the uh, academic issues. You know, it's always different for everybody. And so we're just constantly trying to make sure that we're able to provide the that grade A customer service for the clients because you've got people spending, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for us. And I want to make sure that we're giving them, you know, peace of mind as well as great legal services. So how do you track that, Jordan? And how do you hold people accountable? Because I know that that's really tough to do. So what, what I guess, safeguards do you have in place to make sure that that happens? So at its core, I mean, we use Practice Panther for our case management. And so um, I can go and track and see who's behind on all their tasks from that standpoint. Um, what I have them do is we've got a two-week check-in with a client on every case that's an automated part of our, well, it's not automated in the workflow, but the workflow runs a task to run a task for it because Practice Panther doesn't let you automate recurring tasks. And so that way I can see you know, what have they done with this case in the last two weeks? What was the conversation with the client? And then we'll go ahead and just kind of randomly audit a number of cases. And so I'll just, you know, sit down on a Thursday for two or three hours and just call, you know, 10 or 15 different clients and see, you know, how's everything going? What else can we do for you? Or, you know, are we being as responsive as you want? And, uh, you know, thankfully the return on those have been very, very, very overwhelmingly positive. Jordan, I think that's great that you've automated a lot of your practice. I think some of our listeners sometimes struggle with a fear of too much automation or automation mistakes gone bad. Have you uh, had any mishaps or have you learned any lessons from automating that you want to share with everybody? Sure. So I, I, I guess, so from us, um, you know, it's all Zapier and, and Practice Panther and then Gmail and, and whatnot from there. Um, for some reason, it seems like every two to three weeks, Something goes wrong, even though we haven't changed anything. And so the uh, Zapier's task history is 
is huge for us to see where the problems are. Um, and the biggest thing that we have is we try to have a top-down view where everybody knows enough of what it's supposed to look like so that if my receptionist catches that there's an extra matter being created or something's not going through that she can let, you know, myself and, and Mark know, and then we can try to address it as quickly as possible. So it's, it's one of those where, um, you know, you're going to get the thing set up and in the long run, it's so much better, but in the short term, you're going to have to keep an eye out for all the little mistakes that you don't realize are mistakes. Uh, because it's not necessarily a natural system between integrating, you know, seven different programs together. So how many of those systems and what systems do you use more internally? And then what systems do you do more client-facing? And then what's the response that your clients give you on the client-facing stuff? So the the goal for us is everything automated from the client side. I try to do my best to make it not seem like it's automated. So there's going to be, you know, a series of automated emails that go to them, but thankfully we're able to put in, you know, their name, automatically put in case notes, case information to it, et cetera, so that they're going to get an email that is at least, you know, 25% to, to 33% targeted for them um, directly on their case. From the internal stuff, you know, I don't care about the automation from that, and so everybody knows it'll randomly pop up, well, not randomly, but it'll consistently pop up tasks follow up with this person every two weeks, you know, checking with this person here um, and whatnot. So it's, we spend our focus on making the client side automation look super nice. And so, you know, Mark's gone in and HTML coded uh, the same banners and information from our newsletter. So that way there's that consistency with the brand throughout everything that they get from us, from the invoices to the, you know, automatic emails to following up about hiring to getting our newsletter every month. Gordon, can you talk to us a little about your tech stack? What do you use from sort of start to finish for bringing clients in? And then, you know, it sounds like you're using Practice Panther. Talk to us about all the different programs that you have that you use. So as of right now, I basically use Zapier to create an intake system in Practice Panther, which is not perfect, but it keeps us all together. Um, now that Lawmatics just rolled out their updated pricing, I think we're going to end up jumping over to at least using Lawmatics for, if nothing more, taking the place of MailChimp um, and automating some of the other automations because there's some things that we just can't get done, like the, the automated text messaging and whatnot that they offer with Lawmatics. I hadn't used them earlier because we've got, from having a former traffic ticket business, we've got you know, 10, 15,000 prior clients. So user price on Lawmatics was crazy with that many number of people. But now that they've redone it to the unlimited contacts at a worthwhile price point, it's, it's better for us than MailChimp. And so hopefully over the next three to four weeks, we'll start switching over at least the newsletter side of Lawmatics as we redo a lot of the intake. But right now, I mean, basically I've got Zapier and Practice Panther working as sort of like a Lexicata Lawmatics intake system that automates pretty much all the follow-up with potential clients other than any, you know, phone calls and whatnot for us to book them for consultations, send them contracts, send them invoices, everything along those lines. But then, you know, we're bringing in HelloSign to do the e-signatures. We're bringing in Gmail to do the emails. We're bringing in Zapier and, and Practice Panther for all those things. So I'm hoping that Lawmatics will solve some of the issues with the, you know, intersection of the four different programs just to get the intake stuff done. Ryan McKean and I talk a lot, and he was, he was telling me, I think last year, I think, since, I think 2018, he, he made a promise commitment to his team that he wouldn't add any new software for his firm for that year. And he saw there was a lot of benefit from it because he, he wasn't changing things all the time, wasn't tinkering with things. They were committed to what they were using. Do you ever, 
you know, experience a similar frustration with adding new things and always tinkering with things and, and things like that. Do you ever have that issue? So, I mean, I guess the, the way that it breaks down for me is you can only coast downhill. And so I, I'd like to get to a point where we are happy with what's set up and we can do that. Um, I'm not there yet. And, and candidly, I thought that I was there a couple different times with everything. But then, like I said, every two to three weeks, there seems to be some sort of issue that'll come up between Zapier and Practice Panther without us changing anything. And so I'm constantly trying to fix those. So that's why I've, I've thought about the Lawmatic switch. But the benefit of us is, you know, I've got four staff members right now and we try to have everybody not, you know, step on anybody's toes. So really, you know, a switch from, for Lawmatic at the beginning, um, we would do an automatic internal form for the receptionist for her to fill out. So it wouldn't really change what she's doing. It would just be, a, you know, a slightly different form to fill out. Uh, it would be our intake team that would get a different program with Lawmatics instead of the Practice Panther stuff. So by by trying to have all of our staff as specialized as possible, it makes it easier to make the changes because then, you know, it may just be one person who has to learn a new program instead of four people. I know Tyson already asked you about your long-term plan for the firm, but what's your short-term plan? What are you planning to do or to change over the next six to 12 months? So we're, we're moving into a new office right now, a larger office. So right now I'm get, waiting on all the furniture and everything to be delivered. So that's going to be our, our big goal. And then once we get that set up, then, you know, slowly moving over, I think, to the Lawmatic stuff will be what we'll see by the end of this year. And then I'm hoping that after that, it'll just be, you know, focusing on our referral sources and our current clients and continuing to grow the business at the rate we've been growing without any drastic changes. So I guess my six to 12 month goal is for there to not be as many changes. Here's something that people have criticized me for. Not criticized, but they, they, whenever I talk to them about automation and things like that, they're like, well, it takes away the personal touch of dealing with clients. And it, you've already sort of addressed that a little bit. But do you ever get pushback from people about you using leveraging technology so much? And, and if you do, what's your response to that? We definitely got some pushback. For the most part, it's going to come when something's not running the way it's supposed to be, when they're getting you know multiple of the same email or something along those lines. Um, our big thing is, I mean, we kind of sell them on, we're trying to provide the best value. You know, I don't, I don't want to be the cheapest firm. I don't want to be the most expensive firm. I want to be the most valuable firm to our clients. And so from that, it's, it's a open discussion with them about part of that is, you know, automated emails. Part of that is talking to my paralegal instead of talking to the attorney when you call us. Part of that is, you know, a receptionist solving some of the problems. And I always try to, you know, put us back to um, like a doctor's office. You know, you go in for your annual checkup and you're meeting the receptionist. She's having you fill out all those forms. Then the nurse practitioner comes in and you're talking to all those people to get a lot of that stuff done before the doctor ever shows up. And so I try to tell them that, look, you know, that's our staff, that's our automation. So that that way, when, you know, when I come in as the doctor, as the lawyer, I'm not having to do all those other things. And so that way I can give you a good 30 minutes of time because another 30 minutes was covered by everybody else instead of me having to make an hour of our time fit into 30 minutes because I've only got so much time in the day. And so it seems like the clients have really, once I kind of give them that explanation, it seems like that's made things a lot better because they're understanding that part of the reason why we're charging them 250 an hour instead of 300 an hour, or part of the reason why we're charging them 3000 for a DUI instead of 4000 for a DUI is because we're going to automate some of the processes so we can carry less staff, so we can handle, you know, more cases with fewer people for less overhead and whatever it is. And so a lot of people seem to 
appreciate that once we have the, you know, explanation for them. And then also a lot of them, especially ones that have been through other attorneys, they like a lot of that automation because we can give them so much more information in a manner that's easy for them. So what we have set up is, you know, every time we book a court date or a consult or a mediation or a depot or anything along those lines, the client gets an automatic email. Hey, it's set for this. Here's a little bit of a rundown as to what to expect. Here's a link to our website for some more information about, you know, pretrial conference, about mediation, about depositions. And then I have that same email go out again a week before. And so that way it sets them for a reminder, hey, you know, next week expect to either have this court date you have to attend, expect us to update you on the court date, you know, that afternoon. And so a lot of them really like that because, you know, you, you give an attorney a bunch of money, we don't provide a product, we provide a service. And so by not being able to just turn around and give somebody something back immediately, you know, the automatic emails and whatnot, it helps because, you know, I look at it as we're selling peace of mind. I mean, we're not selling legal services, we're selling peace of mind because anybody can provide legal services. It's how we make you feel while the process is going on in addition to getting a really good result. That's what seems to be the most important to our clients. Jordan, do you have any questions for Tyson and I, or there, is there anything that we can help you with? Uh, I mean, I'm just super excited about Max Lawcon. The uh, I got my ticket whenever you guys first released it, and I I just joined the site after last year, so I was reading through everything you guys posted about last year's thing, and I've just been jazzed up. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's what I think is going to be more help than anything else. Pretty. I don't know about you, Jimmy. I I think you are as excited as I am. I I think it's going to be freaking awesome. I, last year was really, really cool, and I think we're we're on 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 track to just blow that one out of the water. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Before we do our tips and hacks of the week, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. There's a lot of activity each day going on, more and more every day. It's kind of crazy. Um, if you don't mind going to iTunes or wherever you get your uh, podcast, give us a five star review. It really does help spread the love. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? You're right about that Facebook group. I, we're getting as many comments now in a day or new posts in a day as we used to get in a week. So it's, it's pretty exciting to see all the activity going on there. Uh, for my hack of the week, you know, I went to traffic and conversion and I was taking lots of good notes and I wanted to bring back some value for all of our listeners. And I, I'm 99% sure we haven't talked about this app before, but I know there are apps out there that will help simplify your writing. But if you Google Hemingway app or just go to www.hemingwayapp.com, it's an app and what it does is you can put in your text like for a blog post or even a letter and it tells you, um, it gives you a, a rating of the language one through five and it color codes it. So if something is too complex that they think is gonna confuse people, um, then it'll turn red and if it's something that the app likes, it'll turn it yellow and it'll tell you what the readability level is, what the grade level is for the writing that you've done. So I started using it for some of our blog posts and it helps because, you know, I deal with a, a population that English isn't their primary language. So I really have to make my writing simple and I've found this to be pretty helpful. Very cool. So here's my question to you, Jimmy. How many courses did you buy while at uh, the, your, the conference you went to? I was live texting you at the time as to how proud I was. I didn't buy one course. I didn't sign up for one thing while I was at Traffic and Conversion, which is a first. If I could add a, a like pl applause to the podcast, I'd do it right now because that's that's an amazing feat for you. So, very good. 
All right, Jordan. So you've been around for a while. What is your tip or hack of the week? So I guess the biggest thing for us is just always try to put yourself in the client's shoes. You know, I think a lot of times we go to law school and it teaches us to be a lawyer and it kind of removes the ability to be a relatable human being for a lot of people. So my big thing is going to be look at it from the client's perspective. You know, what, what do they want to see from you? What do they expect from you? And make sure that you're honoring those things. I think that's a really great advice, actually. I think we, we sort of skip that sometimes when we're thinking about marketing. So I think that that's brilliant advice. All right. So my tip of the week is to go to Lawmatic. You mentioned Lawmatic. Um, I recommend people check it out. I signed up for Lawmatic. I'm actually really impressed with their user interface. It's really freaking cool. Um, I would check it out. Their pricing is ridiculously low. I, I'm shocked how, how cheap it is. Um, and I'm not just saying this because they, they've sponsored us because they, they've agreed to sponsor the conference and um, I sign up after they agree to sponsor and I've, I'm checking it out. It is impressive. So um, give them some love. Go check them out because I think I think you'll be very impressed. So. All right, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. It was kind of rapid fire because you, you, you take the questions and you answer them really quick. So I think we have a lot more value in this one packed into a short amount of time because you answered the questions so quickly. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's that uh, trial lawyer mentality. You know, you got to be quick on your toes. So thank you both for having me. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.